Take your Bible if you have it and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We've been in a series uh, talking about faith. And it's so applicable today as we have just been in this, this time of prayer, just thinking about faith and praying in faith, believing that God can move uh, in our lives. And so we're in this series, Hebrews chapter 11, that's been called the Hall of Faith. It's listing great men and women of faith and, and by faith what God did in them and through them. It's just a, it's just a wonderful encouragement to us. And as we have been talking about it in week one, And I remind you last week as well that we just wanted to have a simple working definition of faith as we're talking about faith over these these weeks. And the simple working definition, two-word definition of faith is believing God. You can define it more complex than that, certainly. And there's some really cool bumper stickers out there or, or things that are probably hanging on your wall somewhere. But just simply believing God. Faith believe in God. Let me, let me read the first few verses of chapter 11. We've read it each week. I just want to help it, use it to set the foundation for what we will continue to talk about today as we talk about faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of what? Of things that are visible. So faith is believing God. Faith is trusting God, trusting in God's word, trusting that it, is, was, it was our omnipotent creator God that breathed this world into existence. And so we see him at work. We see him at, he, him at work in the stories of scripture that we believe are true. We see him at work in our church. And there are some of you that could stand up and you could share about and tell the story of how God moved in your life, in your situation, in some miraculous way. We still, as I, we've been talking about, we still believe that God does those things. And so this is what we believe. We believe God. We believe his word. We believe what he said. We believe God. Not just, I believe that there is a God. There's a difference. That's good. That's cool. You should do that. You should believe that there is a God, but you also should believe God. What does God say? As we grow in our belief of God, as we grow in our belief, as we are uh, followers of Christ, we are Jesus people. There's, There's some great things that we can learn in this 11th chapter. And so uh, we're going to look at the story of Noah some of you probably, most of us probably, and we're going to be in verse 7 of chapter 11. Uh, most of us probably know the, the story of Noah. Even if we don't know all the exact detail of it, we at least know the Cliff Notes version. We know the story of Noah and the flood and, and, all, and the ark and, and all of that. Now, the writer of Hebrews was writing to the Jewish people, the population that they knew the story. They knew the details of the story. So when we read verse 7 in just a second, you'll see there's not a lot of detail. He leaves out a lot of detail. So he just kind of gives a very, very much the cliff notes, really assuming we know a lot about the story. And so I'm going to fill in a few blanks that, that we might have to give it a little context. So we'll go back to Genesis where the story is originally to fill out the context. And then the goal being to look at this verse, to look at what the story is is, and to ask ourselves the question, how does this story impact me, influence me as I grow in my faith? How can I learn something about my faith as I look at the story? So here we are, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, the cliff note of the story. Here we go. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. 
By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. That little phrase at the very beginning, by faith. We see it over and over and over in these, this 11th chapter. By faith Noah, by faith Enoch, by faith Abraham, by faith, by faith, by faith. It's by faith. I like to preach. I like to teach out of the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. There's other versions. I a lot of times will pull in what, how some other version, some other translation took the original language, in this case was Greek, and how they translated it into English. But when you look at all the other, unless there's one I missed, but I looked at a lot of them this week, and they all take this phrase from their original language, and they say, interpret it, translate it by faith. By faith. By faith. That was the, this is the motivator of Noah. It's faith that was motivating him. By faith. What he does was by faith. Now, there's other things that can motivate us. Motivate us to do things or not do things. Motivate the way we feel or, or, or the way we take things from people. Other things can motivate us. We could say by fear. And so by fear, I make the decision that I don't want somebody to strap some bungee cord around my feet and push me off a platform 150 feet in the air. I don't want to do that. So by fear, I'm making the decision. I'm not doing that. I've watched too many YouTube videos where those things break. Okay? So by fear, I'm, it's motivating me. So you might be, somebody might be motivated by greed and they steal or they embezzle or they whatever. You might be motivated with compassion, by compassion. And so I'm motivated by compassion and so... I help my neighbor. I serve somebody. So there's a lot of things you could say by and you could fill in the blank. Well, in this particular chapter of Hebrews, what we see over and over and over again, it's by faith, by faith, by faith. And so by faith, that was their motivation. They were motivated by faith. Their belief in God, their belief in God, their belief in the word of God, what God says. And so we see that God says to, in this seventh verse, that God says to Noah, here's what's going to happen. Things that had not yet happened, the scripture says, but, but God says to Noah, this is what's going to happen. Now, some scholars say that, that some of what he's probably talking about here is it had not rained yet. And so scholars are divided and some say at this point, because this is really at the very beginning of Genesis, and so this is really early in, in human history, and so maybe it rained, maybe not, and so scholars are divided about that, and there's this mist that covered the, air, the earth, and maybe it could have been that, whatever, it doesn't really matter too much except there are things that God tells Noah were going to happen that had not yet happened. There had not been a flood like he said it's coming. There had not been rain to the degree that would cause a flood like that. There had not been judgment like what's coming. And so God tells Noah, there's some things coming you need to get ready. And so by faith, Noah did some things. Noah, Noah made, some, made some adjustments. Noah began building an ark. Knowing, because God said, judgment was coming. So because God said something, God told him something, he believed God. Faith is believing God. He believed what God has said, believes in God, believes what God says, and so he does something about it. It motivates him to action. And he starts building this ark. And we see that story, and we'll just look at a, this few verses. You can read the rest of it, Genesis 6 through 9. You can read all of it, hear the, see the whole story of what happens there. But let me just give you one little thing, just so you can, as you're thinking, I want to give you the kind of the picture of what the ark, uh, by what Scripture says, what the ark was kind of like. The ark, it says, uh, and it gets very specific, God gets very specific instructions to Noah about how, to, how big it is and the dimensions and all that. So uh, how to keep it watertight, some of those things. And so 
we're not going to spend a lot of time, but at least I want to give you some details so you get the picture in your head. And so according to scripture, it's about 500 feet long. That's a football field and a half. So to get in your head, how big that is. And then it's 85 feet wide. Okay. And then about 50 feet tall with a window around the top. So ventilation or whatever. And so that's the, the dimensions. Ship builders to this day talk about that the ark in that proportion, that the ratio of width to height to depth, that that's a really seaworthy, very sound size dimensions ratio. Turns out God knows what he's doing. <laughs> and so I want you to think, don't think boat, think barge. Noah's family's not skiing behind the ark, okay? So that's just not, there's no motor. It's just, it's just, a, it's just floating along in the, in the water. So just kind of think about that. And so God is warning Noah, judgment's coming. And if you want to be saved, you want your household to be saved, then that's going to, that motivated him to do something by faith, motivated his belief to do something. Moves him from the land of talk as we talk about around here, to the land of dew. It was by faith, in faith in what God said. And I just want to remind us because, I, and I know I do this often and, and remind us often, but I want to make sure that we get it and that we understand it. And truth and vision sometimes leaks. So we got to be reminded of some key important foundational things. And here's a foundational thing. Noah building the ark and doing what God told him to do, the work of building the ark did not save him. Faith saves us. Works do not save us. It's really important to be reminded of that. And so we see at the very beginning of Scripture here in the Old Testament that it talks about by faith. He's saved by faith. It's really important for us to, to get that. Let's go to that original story that we find in Genesis chapter 6. And in it we Find the why of why judgment's coming, why this is even happening. So Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, and this is what was going on. And it says, And the Lord saw the wickedness, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord, Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. And so the Lord said, I'll blot out man from with whom I have created from the face of the, of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of, heaven, of the heavens, for I am sorry that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So what was going on in this, again, this is really early on in human history, morality had continued to deteriorate. We see God's assessment of, of what was going on. The wickedness of man was great. And that's probably a super big understatement. <laughs> was great in the earth. It says, it goes on, not just intentions were evil, but it says they were continually evil. Every intention, it says, was evil. And to just put an put a exclamation point on it, every intention, evil, the intention, the thoughts of the heart, all the time. Now, that's a lot going on. It's so bad. It had gotten so bad in that day, in that age, that it says that God regrets having created man. God's grieved. Now, I think it's really important for us to get this one little point. And for that, I need to bring in what, something we talked about last week. Enoch, if you remember, I think I maybe mentioned it. Enoch 
that we talked about last week is the great-grandfather of Noah, okay? And Enoch, Scripture says, preached, was a, was a preacher, he's a prophet. And so he's, he's warning people that judgment is coming. So the great-grandfather of Noah was preaching, hey, we need to get our act together. We're, what we're doing is not right. We're not living right. This, there's too much wickedness. You need to follow God and God loves you and God, all that. And, and, and but people just, it just continue to get worse and worse and worse through Enoch and then his father and father, and down to now we have Noah and it's continued and continued and gotten worse and worse and worse. My dad's here. I'm glad my father is here on Father's Day. Uh, and so we were talking yesterday about my great grandfather. And my great friend, we did some, did, did the math and on our, my great grandfather would have lived like in the 1880s, uh, early 1900s, 1910 or so. His, my grandfather was born. And so, so, so that time frame is when my great grandfather, so think about the, from Enoch to now Noah, and there had been preaching, and, and God had been saying, you need to, you know, judgment's coming, you need to get it together, you need to get it together, you need to repent, you need to turn around, and that had not happened, and not happened, and not happened, had not happened, it just got worse. So my great-grandfather, think about what has changed since the 1880s till today. And that's a similar, I mean, the, the time frame's even longer because they lived longer, but just think about, just in that time frame, from the 1880s till today, what has changed? And God had warned and warned and warned. And so before anybody says that what go, is going on here, what we see here is some knee-jerk reaction, God has worked a long time trying to get them to repent and to come back. And we see his mercy in this story. Think about how things have changed, again, since the 1880s, 1900, whatever the history of this church is about 115 years. Think about what has changed in the, in the time this church started till today. Our views of right and wrong, what has changed. Our views of morality, I think even in my own lifetime. What, what, what once was anathema is now okay and, and it's no big deal. How society, how culture has changed. And so what we see is it had changed. It had gotten worse and it had gotten worse and it had gotten worse. And so now basically Noah's the last guy left, the last faithful one left. We have Noah, and something has to be done. And so God finally pulls the trigger on the judgment that he, said has been come, that he said was coming. In verse 8, thankfully, in verse 8, we have the little phrase, but Noah. With all of the wickedness and all of the stuff and all the stuff going on, and, and again, we see, and we always need to think about, how does it relate to us, and how does this relate to our time, and how does it relate to our culture, and we see the same thing. This continual slide but then there was Noah, but Noah. Thankfully, there was Noah. And what does it say of Noah? But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a man of faith. Noah believed God. Now, a little question that pops up in our head. Maybe it's already you're kind of thinking about it, wondering, is he going to go there? Is he going to answer this question? Was the story of Noah and the ark, was that a real thing? Did it actually happen, or was this a story that, that teaches a lesson? It's like an illustration, a story that was made up that, that teaches a good lesson, but didn't actually happen. And that's a great question. Glad you asked it. And here's how I would answer it. What did Jesus think? Because I think that's always a great place for us to start, to ask ourselves the question, what did Jesus think about a certain thing? And we don't always have the answer to that specifically. In this case, we actually do. So, I'm so glad you asked the question. So let's answer the question by asking, what did Jesus think? Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 through 39. This is what Jesus says about Noah. For as were the, for as were, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. 
So Jesus is saying, you know how it was back in Noah's day? Well, when I come back the second time, it's going to be kind of like that. And he goes on to say, For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the days, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And that's our world. Our world's living it up, and our world's doing its own thing, and our world's ignoring God. But there's coming a day when Jesus will come again. And so Jesus says, Jesus says, well, it's kind of like in the days of Noah. And so Jesus is talking about the events of Noah and the ark like it actually happened, as it actually happened. And so I'm on team Jesus. And so if Jesus said it and Jesus thinks it, I'm, I'm on his team. So I'm with Jesus. So I believe, yes, it's an actual thing. So in the time we have left, let's just look and understand maybe how we can apply this story to our lives. What does it have to teach us about faith? Hebrews chapter 11, we read it. Let's go back there. By faith, Noah being warned of God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear. Look at that, that phrase, in reverent fear. He's living out his faith. It's by faith. And so by faith, in reverent fear. Fear, that, that term is translated, it, it, it's a word that means respect. It means reverence. Uh, other ways to translate it might be holy fear, godly fear, out of reverence might be a way that you translate that from the original language. Don't think in terms of he's cowering in a corner, afraid, frightful of God. But think of it as a holy reverence of God, that healthy fear of God, a reverence that God is holy other, that he's not the man upstairs. He is so much more than that. He is God. He is sovereign. In our culture, our lives, our church, we need that reverent fear. Hall of Fame faith is coupled with a reverent fear of God. Do we live with this healthy awe and wonder of God? We're motivated that, 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 that who God is, that it motivates me, it, it, it moves me to action. There's obedience because I have a holy reverence for my God. If, 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 my, if my world has reached some other conclusion about whatever in the world it is, or I have reached some other conclusion, I think, I think it should be this or that, and God says something different, when I have a holy, reverent fear by faith, I go with what God says. Even though I'm, I don't quite understand, or if, if, I were, if I were God, I might do things a little differently, but because I'm team Jesus, I side with what God says. And that's what we see here. By faith... In reverent fear, he's living out his faith. He's motivated in this reverent fear in, in, in his worship, I'm sure. And that's, that's another piece of it. And so when we, we sit in a place like this and, and we're, we understand that God is here with us, that, that it, it, it moves me to pay attention. It moves me to worship. It moves me to not necessarily be thinking, I know our minds wander or whatever, but we, just, we need to just be coming back to we are in the presence of God. And so, and so I want to be engaged because I have the privilege of, of worshiping God. And so I may think, oh, I wish it was louder or, or quieter or wish this, this, I like these songs better or this, whatever. But I set all that aside. I set all those preferences aside because I am standing in the presence of the living God. And so I want to worship because I have a reverent fear, a holy reverence for my God. And then I have a holy reverence for my God as I think about that, that, that God is 
God is sovereign, that God is king, that God's in charge. And, I, and, and, and so I'm going to get off the throne of my life and I'm going to put God there. He is sovereign. And I'm going to live in obedience and submission to him because I live by faith with a reverent fear of God. As we go back to the text in reverent fear, and it says that he constructed an ark. And so faith means that I believe God. Again, not just believing that there is a God, but I believe God. And God said judgment's coming. God said a flood's coming. And so by faith, in reverent fear, he constructs an ark. He does something. He builds an ark. He constructs an ark. Hall of Fame faith moves me to action. And so I I do something with it. Again, I want to just remind us because we get off and vision leaks, theology leaks, just to remind us we are saved by grace, not by works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 For by grace you've been saved through faith. This not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Noah was not saved because he built an ark. I said that before, but just to reiterate, he was saved by faith. But it's important to note, as James tells us, that faith without works is dead. And so genuine faith it's going to naturally lead to a transformed life. So I'm going to, I want to live out my faith. I want, to, I, want to, I want to help my world. I want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. I, that faith is going to produce good deeds and produce godly actions. And my faith that's alive in me is going to be characterized by love and compassion and obedience to God's word and not being self-absorbed. And the three most important people in my, in my world are me, myself, and I. That's not the way you live when you live by faith. It's moved to action. And here it. First church, we have a core value, and that core value is that we believe that we are contributors, not consumers. And so very intentionally, we don't, we don't call our membership class a membership class here at First Church. We call it a partnership class. And I always tell uh, people that go into that membership class, that partnership class, I say, just think about where, do you, where, where are you a member of? You're a member of a country club. And this isn't a country club. We are, we are all uh, on, we're all on the staff. We're all ministers. If we're a follower of Christ and this is our home church, then, then together we serve. And, and that means I'm not too important to, to grab a table and schlep a, a, a stack of chairs and clean a toilet or whatever. We're on the team together. We're serving together. We're doing work together. We're, doing the, we're on mission together. My faith moves me to action together. Hall of Faith fame. And so we go, Hall of, yeah, Hall of, yeah, that's right, man, Hall of Faith. <laughs> Let's go back to the text again. And that next phrase, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Noah puts his faith into action. He believes what God tells him. And he builds an ark not just for himself, but for his household. And we see the why for the saving of his household. He builds a boat that's big enough for the animals and his family. His entire household was going to escape the judgment because of his faith. His faith got the building started. By faith, he constructed, knowing this flood was coming. And so, Hall of Fame faith prioritizes in my life passing my faith on to the next generation. And isn't it cool that today's Father's Day? Noah could have been the poster child for what it looks like to be a father that prioritizes passing your faith on to the next generation. That is exactly what he did. He built an ark big enough for himself and his whole family. I love the, in scripture, it often talks about households. Because, because there's an importance in, in, in households and families together and coming to Christ. You see in the New Testament, whole households coming to faith. 
in, in different places in the book of Acts. And we see it in Acts 11 and Acts 16, two different times in Acts 18. All entire households coming to faith. Our faith parents, it matters. Here at First Church, another one of those core values. We believe the church should invest in all generations while passing the baton to the next generation. And so hear me, parents, the primary responsibility for passing faith onto your children is not the church, but it's you. So we come alongside you. We are on your team. We're helping you. We're supporting you. We want to be a resource for you. We're praying for you. We're, we're in your corner and all of that. But at the end of the day, it's on you. You are personally responsible. God, bless you with these kids. They're yours. You must, you should, if you're living by faith, you need to pass your faith on to the next generation. I did some research this week. We think about dads and the role of dads in their children's lives. Studies have consistently shown that fathers, when they're actively involved in the church, when they're, when they're, uh, when they're, when they're you know, actively involved, their children are more likely to be engaged. It was a study by the Swiss National Science Foundation. I just, I'm throwing this out because I want you to know that it's not just, I thought this. <laughs> There's some actual research behind it. Their attendance, their engagement in church is directly correlated to their fathers. Research also suggests that when fathers actively discuss and model their own faith, children are profoundly affected and more likely to adopt the faith of their fathers according to a study published by the Journal of Marriage and Family. And a final, a third study conducted by the National Study of Youth and Religion in the United States found that fathers who are actively engaged in religious practice during their children's adolescent years significantly increase the likelihood of their children maintaining their commitment to Christ into adulthood. So in other words, let me just, in case you didn't get all that, didn't understand what that all meant, let me put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Dads, you matter. And your faith matters. And it's not mom who just needs to, to do that and, and we tag along as the dads. Fathers, be engaged. It matters for your children to see you engaged with your faith. Not faking it, because kids can tell, but real life faith in action. Everybody's important. And even if you don't have kids, we're a part of the team that helps to raise, to raise the kids around here. But fathers, you have a very important role as we're here on Father's Day. And then the final thing, by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. That's that last phrase in verse 7. So here we all have Noah, who is this inductee into the, the, the hall of faith. It reminds us that what was going on in the, gener the generation that he lived, there was a lot of wickedness. And we, we read that. And let me just read you again. The Lord saw the wickedness of man it was great on the earth, and every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually or all the time. And so Noah's faith was a beacon of light in the darkness. And his faith, this passage reminds us, condemned the world because it, 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 it just showed how dark it was in the world when he shined this light of faith, it showed the severity of their unbelief. And so in that sense, he condemned the world by his faith. Listen to what Second Peter says of Noah. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness. 
He was a preacher of righteousness, a herald of righteousness. So, so he was preaching through his actions as he's building this ark, but he was also preaching. He was a herald of righteousness. He was, he was proclaiming uh, the truth about God. In, in this 120 years, he's building this ark in a place that, that there not been floods in basically a wilderness area of that, of that part of the world. And people are ignoring the truth and ignoring him. And I'm sure the, the, the struggle was real as he's, he's warning them about the flood that was coming. Can you imagine how difficult it was for him to stay faithful? And some of us have experienced how difficult it is to stay faithful and true. That's the culture that we live in. It's hard to stand for what is right in the culture that we live in. But he faithfully endured and the Hall of Fame faith perseveres despite the opposition. Friends, are you willing to persevere? Are we going to be a church that does what it can to just garner a crowd because we don't ever talk about anything that's maybe difficult or controversial and we, want to, we don't want to go there? Or will we be a church that stands on God's truth, that stands for what's right, what's true, what's clear in his word? Hall of Fame faith perseveres despite opposition. And it's too important. We're going to lose a generation if we don't stand for what's right and true. That's what God needs. That's what God, who God needs us to be. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. And as we conclude today, I just want to speak to people that maybe have never invited Christ to be their Savior. And I want to, I want to read a passage for you. If you've never invited Christ to be your Savior today, you're here today. I'm so thrilled that you're here today. God brought you here because he wanted to remind you of this. But you, O Lord, the psalmist writes, are a, merciful, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Friends, our God, our God loves you. Our God cares for you. God, God loved you so much that he sent Christ to come to die for your sin, that you could have life. And today is the day of grace and mercy. But friends, Jesus is coming back. And I want you to be ready. And God wants you to be ready. And so he's invited you into a relationship with him to confess Christ as Lord, to confess your sin before him, and to give you eternal life through Christ. I would invite you as I pray in just a moment to, in, to invite Christ into relationship with you by faith. If you've done that and you're doing that today, we'd love to have a conversation with you. We've got people that have lanyards that say, uh, how can I pray with you? You can talk to them. They'd love to pray with you. I'll love to pray with you. I'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to have a co that conversation. We also would love to send you some resources. You can text the word Jesus to 269-231-8692. We'd love to send you some resources, but we most importantly want to have a conversation with you about faith in Christ. Now, and we'll pray in just a minute. Now, for those of you who are followers of Christ, what does Noah have to teach us? I think Noah teaches us that we need to have a faith that's coupled with a reverent fear of God. We're going to have a chance to proclaim who Jesus is, who our God is in just a moment. And I would just encourage you to lean in to, the, to a reverence as you worship him. We need a faith that's moved to action. Not, not just kind of going through the motions, not just coming and being a part, but, but moved to action to represent Christ in our world. A faith that passes itself on to the next generation. Parents, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, we've got to pass our faith on. And then we need to be a 
a church, a people, an individual that has a faith that perseveres despite opposition, newsflash, it will not get easier or better until Jesus returns. But until Jesus returns, let's stiffen our back and stiffen our resolve and by the power of the Holy Spirit alive in us, do whatever it takes to represent Jesus in our world, not in a hateful, condescending way, but in a whimsical way that we love well and we love our world well. And God works through us to represent him. And let, we let the chips fall where they may because we're on team Jesus. And so, Father God, as we conclude our time today in your word, I pray, God, that you would make it real in us, that you would make it come alive in us, that we understand by Noah, let with Noah, by faith, there's so much that that, that changes in us. I pray, Father, that you'd help our faith to come alive, to grow it in us, and to see where our deficiencies are. Where are our deficiencies? And God, help us to to shore up our faith. And Father, I want to pray specifically for those dads that are here that have been kind of going through the motions, kind of leaving it to other people to pass their faith on. But God, I pray in Jesus' name today that you would help fathers to make that decision to live with a strong, biblically-centered, grounded faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, a faith that makes a difference in the way that they live. We commit that to you today. And Father, finally, I just want to pray for that person today that's making that decision to follow you by faith. Thank you, God, for helping them recognize their need of a personal relationship with you. Thank you for forgiving them. Thank you for giving them life eternal as they put their faith in your son, Jesus Christ. We celebrate with them today in Jesus' name.